0: Welcome to She's Ambitious AF, the bold and empowering podcast that turns up the volume on female entrepreneurship. Join us as we dive headfirst into the wild world of Boss Babes, where we spill the tea on all things ambition, success, and the occasional hilarious disaster. Aparna Agrawal is the founder and CTO of Auxilium Health, Inc., Aparna's motivation to translate scientific work into clinical practice originates from her desire to help patients and her passion for sustainability. Since beginning her entrepreneurial journey two years ago, Aparna has led the technical development of her startup, served as an entrepreneurial lead for regional and national NSF I-Corps programs, and often invited to speak and judge on startup panels and pitch competitions. Welcome, Aparna.
1: Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I love what you're doing on this podcast. So thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Very happy to have you here. And I, I love to interview guests with different who are at different stages of their entrepreneurial journey. And yours is still relatively young. It, it began yeah. years ago. <laughs> um, so I would love to hear a little bit how you um, so quickly went from student to entrepreneur. Could you share a little bit about that?
1: hmm Yeah. Um, so by training, I'm a polymer scientist. I just finished my PhD in polymer engineering uh just last summer. And then uh part of my dissertation work, we use that, and my co-founder Isaiah Kaiser and I uh we started this company called Auxilium Health uh, based on my research while we were still uh, both PhD students at U Akron. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, and, and what Auxilium does is uh, we are producing uh, first smart wound dressings for hard-to-heal wounds, so uh, which can detect infection by changing colors and prevent new infections. And uh, we got to interview a lot of patients, doctors, stakeholders, when we participated in a customer discovery program, and we learned that these infections are causing hundreds of thousands of amputations and deaths every year. Wow. And it's problem, we're not aware of it. We here won't care and we think it's simple. So how we transitioned from research to entrepreneurship is when we learned that there is a problem and it's a big problem and we thought we can solve it and we wanted to. So mm-hmm. that's when we formed the company and we took one step at a time. There is a rich ecosystem uh, surrounding Akron. We had many mentors and UARF that could help us. We got connected with Project MedTech. Uh, So that helped us in taking one step at a time. And we were having guidance for people who've done this before. And I think that's why so quickly we were able to transition Uh, because I think we did right things. We did the first thing first. We did customer discovery first. So we found out that there's a need. And Mm -hmm. then we started our company.
0: Yeah. And so many entrepreneurs don't get that advantage. So that was a huge leg up that you both had. And I'm familiar with Project MedTech, love them. I was actually just a guest on Dwayne's podcast last week. Um, okay. So it's it's wonderful for entrepreneurs to utilize support resources like that. So you said it's you and your partner, Isaiah, right? Mm-hmm. How long did you two know each other before you formed the business? Uh,
1: it's uh, a very I think we had a unique situation Uh, so Isaiah and I did not know each other before we were introduced by a professor at U Akron so that professor knew Isaiah he didn't know me he saw my research at a poster competition and then he reached out to me said your research is great and it has real world applications today not 10 years later so you need to do this nsf customer discovery program and here is another student you need to do it with him you will complement each other very well and he introduced us and that student was isaiah (laughs) so this happened in late 2021 we did not start auxilium until late 22 so maybe a year later but After having this conversation, I think about one week later, we started the customer discovery. So in a way, we started working on a company right after we met.
0: Wow. And
1: So we we know that having the right partner is so important. It can make or break a company. So I'm very thankful that this introduction was made and that uh, Isaiah and I became partners because it's, Really, it it went very well. It's worked out great so far. And I think, uh, so when this happened and we started doing customer discovery, it's a very intense program. We traveled Mm -hmm. all across the US together. We spoke to more than 150 stakeholders in about two, three months. Wow. (laughs) We spoke to so many patients and after listening to their stories, I think we were touched and we both felt the same passion toward this problem and we both felt that we can do something to solve it. And because of this shared passion, we went into partnership. And initially, when we just started the company, we used to do everything together. We were involved in every single operation, both of us. But I think what has helped over time is to clearly uh, define and distribute work And define our roles and responsibility and also give the other person the freedom to operate in their role so with time we've developed this trust in each other that I think we we are confident in the other's capability in their role so
0: (laughs) well uh, I (laughs) I love that that worked out so well for you I mean it's almost like universal alignment it was just the exact right partner that you could have Gone into business with, and that, that's yeah.
1: right. And and the professor was right. We complement each other very well. We have different skill sets, so that helps the company that we bring different things to the table. And I think uh, one secret that why our partnership has worked so well so far is that we are in constant communication. So not just we know that what the other is working on, but I think we always know uh, how the other is doing. So if someday I have a personal commitment and I need Isaiah to fill in for me, I know he does that for me. Mm -hmm. Recently, we had a conversation when uh, one of us was feeling burnt out. So we discussed about how we should uh, maybe rearrange particular responsibilities or what additional resources that we need Mm -hmm. uh, so we can solve it. So I think that helps us to not get burnt out and we've become so close by going through all these challenges so early together that uh, yeah he's like a brother to me now
0: oh (laughs) yeah when I when I'm listening to you talk I'm getting so I'm seeing yin-yang (laughs) complementary balance there and and that can be the perfect combination when you're um going into business with someone if they if you have the exact same skill set and the exact same strengths you know there's Mm -hmm. It's harder. Yeah, I experienced that with my co-founder for my last company too. Best friends, very complementary skill sets. The things that I loved, she despised. The things that she loved, I despised. <laughs> and so it it just worked out. So I'm, I'm glad it worked out for you, or it's working out for you. And mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely true what you said about defining the role and the responsibilities. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of new business owners especially if they're going into business with a friend or a family member, don't think about that very intentionally to begin with. They just kind of, you know, assume things are just going to work out and and things will get divided as needed, but you get to the point where you need to be dividing workload based on who's the best person to be doing it, not just who happens to have time on that given day. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely, um, part of the success equation is to get that right from the beginning. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, I I completely agree with what you've said because I think, uh, yeah, that's another thing. Now, after all this time, I think we have realized what is the strong suit of him and me. And based on that, we divided uh, how we should do it. And yeah, earlier we did everything together. And now, as you are saying, there's just, it's not practical anymore after a (laughs) while. But I think that was also useful because then we learned that what we are good at. You know?
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what's it been like going from student to entrepreneur?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, that's a very good question, and I think I have. There are so many things uh, to say about this. So, first, I think uh, anyone who has done a PhD they will say the same thing that it's one of the most challenging times of their life because. Doing a PhD is stressful, research is hard. And then another undertaking, like a startup, at, at the same time, it can be demanding. So, yes, it's very difficult to do it uh, while you are doing research. But I think there are many things that are good. There's There are so many advantages to be a student entrepreneur mm-hmm. uh, from different aspects. So one is research. So when we learn to do research, we learn many qualities, which I think can translate when you Uh, become a business owner. Uh, Like you learn how to handle stressful situations. You have tight deadlines for research. But I think the most important thing research will teach you is failure. And (laughs) uh, yeah, very quickly you learn to deal with failure. And uh, that's from the research side. But other side is just having the title of student. I think that can do (laughs) very uh, good things for you. I've seen that people really love to help students. Oh. Just by saying that you are a student, you can get so many resources, so much help. So one example is um once we were talking to a doctor at Cleveland Clinic and he said, oh, you guys are material science researchers and you're trying to solve wound care problems. It will help you to actually see real wound care in action. Yeah. But wow. then he arranged everything. He made it possible for Isaiah and me to go uh, to Cleveland Clinic Rehab and actually shadow wound care doctors. And wow,
0: asleep. oh my goodness.
1: <laughs> that was an eye-opening experience. We learned so much from that. And just really, there are other things like you get discounted conference tickets, you get free software licenses, uh, university resources are available, free papers you know the whole database is available another thing if you are a student you're already poor so you don't lose anything financially
0: you
1: that's a great point it, yeah
0: right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> especially a <your> phd student
0: <laughs> oh that's such a good point i'm i'm so glad you brought that up i hadn't considered the advantages to starting so early i mean there's a benefit if you have more time ahead of you and probably more energy because you're younger but you also don't have the things tying you down, like the costly mortgages and the vehicles and the family and the pets and all of that stuff. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of flexibility that you have as a student.
1: Yes, that, that is true. I, I think it's much harder to leave a job and, you know, say goodbye to your salary to become Mm an entrepreneur, but while students, yeah. And, um, we also got to talk to a lot of famous people in wound care, which means renowned doctors, researchers. And I think it was easier to do that because we were students. Yeah, uh, they respond to cold emails or calls from students because you tell them that I'm a student. I want to learn about wound care from you. We're trying to solve this problem. Um, another very important thing that I should mention, I think, um, is national organizations like the NSF. Mm-hmm. Now they are really promoting students and researchers to find market value of their innovation. So they have various customer discovery and uh, training programs for students. And we participated in one of such programs, which was the NSF customer discovery program that I talked about.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think
1: it was also, it what helped was I had a very supportive advisor He always encouraged Isaiah and me to pursue this and uh, helped us at every point. Uh, So yeah, these programs are very useful and I think they have existed before, but Mm -hmm. I feel people are becoming more aware of them now and they're availing it more uh, because when I started my PhD five years ago, I never heard of it. Uh, Nobody on campus was talking about this, but by the time I was leaving, so last year, I know at least four or five people in my circle who were going through these. So I I think there's more awareness now, but these are really good resources and students should uh, participate in this if they have research, which they think can be applied to a practical solution. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I've said all this. I clearly, I feel like the best time to start a business is when you're a student.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Definitely take advantage of, especially when you have the opportunity to to get customer feedback. And I think you're, you're right is you're not approaching them as a vendor. You're there for the purpose of learning. And now you've taken it to the next step where now you have a business and now you will be selling. What Mm -hmm. is that? What's that transition like? Because now you're, you know, done the research and now you want to commercialize.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that is another thing we learned from the program, I'll say this. Uh, because if you tell someone that you have a solution and it's this and this, it does this and this, it's possible that they might say, oh, it's so cool and that will it will be great to have that. So it's important in order to not lead them that you approach it like this, mm-hmm. that you say I have. So that was OK when we were doing customer discovery. And now you're saying, how is the transition like? Um. So Auxilium started with uh, the research that I was doing in in So when we started, it was in research phase. And then we did customer discovery, which helped us to immerse ourselves in the ecosystem. So we got to know every hand that our product will touch from beginning to the end. We found out who is going to be the decision maker, who is important, what uh, pain points our customers have. So what that helped us to do is uh, then we formed the company. And even before Auxilium was an entity, we, uh, we we were connected to Project MedTech and Bounce in UAR. So uh, then what we did was uh, we focused on uh, product development. So our proof of concept, prototype development, in vitro studies all happened after we formed the company. And now uh, we've developed this mindset to become a product first company, so to value innovation above else. Uh, so we we still focus a lot on product development because, and, and we got an idea about what our MVP should have because of the customer discovery process. Uh, and so first we focused on getting all the pre, uh, all the non-dilutive funding that we could. And I, I'll mention that's another thing that we got to know a lot because of the connections that we had. And we were able to raise a uh, significant non dilutive capital uh, in the past two years that was enough for us to keep getting to the next step that we needed to. Now, what we are doing is uh, we are uh, developing a product in such a way that it is ready for FDA uh, approval, so hit that regulatory. Um, milestone. So now we've reached, uh, started reaching out to more people and uh, we want to pursue the dilutive, non-dilutive path parallelly. Uh, so we have made some connections. We've reached out to people and we've got really good feedback from the conversations we've had so far. So we're very excited
0: to keep moving forward this way. That's great. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Um. I want to shift gears a little bit. And, you know, I believe in the power and the value of diverse founders and diverse voices because we all have very different experiences that shape how we look at problems and that shape how we create solutions. And I know you're very happy that you, you know, took this path, but it wasn't the conventional path for you. And um, could you share a little bit about your upbringing and why this was not you know the route that everyone takes?
1: Yeah um, so I, I come from a remote part of central India so uh, that community uh, it is it is a community where things and paths are predetermined for women so uh now i must say that things are rapidly changing now but but even today i think for the most part women are supposed to take on the same roles they're uh supposed to manage the household so and that's where i grew up so i i feel like if a girl who's growing up if you see that every single woman in your life is doing the same things taking the same path somehow you feel that that is the right thing to do, that is what you're supposed to do, also. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I was a really quiet, uh, shy kid. I barely <laughs> spoke. Uh, so, nobody in my surrounding ever thought that I will take the unconventional path because of that. But uh, I was quiet, but I was also always very thoughtful. And I felt that it should not be like this, that paths should not be predetermined for women. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do something to make a positive impact on society. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And the other thing is what I always felt, again, that, you know, if you, if any girl growing up in any part of the world, if she sees this in her surroundings, she will feel subconsciously that this is what she should do. And I really Mm -hmm. want to change that. So I think I just wanted to do something unconventional just to, to show that, you know, women don't have to follow this path. And I think that this has been my underlying thought in every decision I've made in my life. So doing engineering, then PhD, and now entrepreneurship. And that's why I told you in the beginning that I love what you're doing, because I think that the way to do this is by telling stories of women who are doing different things and successful stories and, I've Absolutely. listened to many of your podcasts and they're so inspiring. I, I love them. Um, so, so yeah, this, this was the reason. And now uh, I have found out that entrepreneurship is so empowering. You owning a business, doing something, creating something, adding value to the society, solving a problem, all these things, they are very empowering. So I hope. That more women do this from my community or other communities in the world where generally they're not encouraged to take such paths. So, yes, of course my parents allowed me to do whatever I wanted to, even though it was <laughs> against the norms. So <laughs>
0: well, I love that you're just challenging all the rules now. You're like, I'll go into the field that most women are not in, and I w- <laughs> I will just keep challenging all the norms. And I love that. And I love that you were on the show to be able to share that because there, there are other women listening from around the world. We don't know where they're listening from, but someone, somewhere, I guarantee you resonated with what you just shared. And I'm sure that you gave that source of insp- inspiration. That's, that's the goal of the podcast is to inspire or provide information and resources. And you did all of those things. So thank you for being on Aparna. Wow. Um, I I'm would love. <laughs> I would love to um, to just hear how, a little bit about the business and how folks can get in touch if they'd like to learn more.
1: Yeah, thank you. So um, as I said, Auxilium is the first smart wound care dressing. We are focusing on hard to heal wounds and our focus is preventing infections and uh, detecting already existing in- infections early on. So the wounds don't get out of control and no wound ever reaches. Uh, the stage of amputation, you know. Uh, So, yes, and now we are reaching out to new people. uh, So I'm very excited to, you know, share what Auxilium is doing with whoever is interested. Our website is uh, auxiliumhealth.xyz. So that's how people can reach us.
0: Okay, sounds great. Thank you for being on. Thank you so much for having me, really. It was great talking to you. And that's a wrap on another episode of She's Ambitious AF. Remember to dream big, hustle harder, and show the world that when it comes to success, we're not just ambitious, we're Ambitious AF.